Jackdaws and titmice. Embrace your inner Luddite. Stack enough firewood to make it through the deepest winter and sink softly into the deep leaf mold beneath the ancient trees. Because it's time to talk tall to me. Oh. Welcome back, everyone, to Talk Tall to Me. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together, we are the symbiotic life form that is Feckless Momes. And this is the collective unit that is Talk Tall to Me. A sylvan frolic through the federally protected forest land of Prague Rock, in which Nick and I, armed only with some really cool sticks that we found, will get lost in the thick musical undergrowth. We will pick some delicious bar berries for lunch, avoid the Palmer poison ivy, and get stung by some very nasty Barlow bugs, all while trying to catch a glimpse of the mythical, most wonderful, magical woodland creature of all, Ian Anderson. Ian the Green. Nick, Nick, that's not an M&M. That's a, put that down, that's a John Glasscock dropping. Ah, ah, it's so good. Get it out of your mouth. Omen, it is a monumental day. It sure is. And why is that, Nick? Because not only are we starting a new album. That's right. We are starting a very special new album. It's a very special album. However, before we actually start the album, let's get a little bit into lore because there's a lot behind this. So we're going to have to space out these chunks as we go along. Just for anyone who didn't read the name of the episode, the new Uh, album that we're getting into is... Songs from the Wood. That's right, baby. 1977. 1977, their 10th studio album, also one of their most successful, both commercially and creatively, I would say. Yeah. It was the first one made after Ian Anderson left the city life uh, and went to live in a 16th century Buckinghamshire farmhouse (laughs) with Shona. So that that is your inspiration for what is to come. Yeah. So, Omen, you have a quote, I believe, from hmm. from from the maestro himself. Yes, on the well, actually, so this is this is regarding the song, the which is also the titular song of the album, "Songs from the Wood." Mm-hmm. Anderson says, "After only living in hotels in the middle of London or in other cities, I was the last member of the group to move out of town and go live in the country. Suddenly, what had been..." Part of my childhood being outdoors and being in more remote and rural places was now a reality of day-to-day life. So that part of my life, owning a house and being in one place, had a stabilizing influence on me. It gave me a place to put down some roots, and I think that was reflected in the music. It also brought the guys in the group together, musically, in terms of their involvement. I would deliberately leave the studio and let them come up with some arrangements and ideas. It was an attempt to try to get the band working together as a unit and add a social as well as musical identity. And so there you have it. I mean, this album really represents a uh, so many different shifts in the yes. trajectory of the band. Mm-hmm. Musically, philosophically, in terms of their workflow, and a big shift 
in the life of Ian Anderson, not just geographically, but also in his uh, in his in the relationship part of his life. He's now with Shona, with whom he is still. Right. It's the, it's the start of a of a long, long relationship. Fruitful. You never you, you, you always expect it going into a relationship, I'm assuming. But well, sometimes but, you don't. I mean, it, it didn't last with Jenny more than a few years. So this is his second marriage, his second presumably intended to be a long relationship. Right. Yeah. yeah. In, in, and in 77, he's well, his late 20s at this point. I don't I don't remember the math. Yeah. But he was, yeah, in 69, he was like 21. So. Yeah, but in the 70s, being 29 was, you know, in these days, being like 40. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was he was ready to retire very, very shortly. So, yeah, this is this is 77. Also, some notes around this year. Remember Too Old to Rock and Roll. I sure the, do. That was the, the one we just did. <laughs> That's right. That was some people... Some people thought to, that to be commentary or potentially jumping on the bandwagon of the newly burgeoning punk movement. Yeah. So around that time in 77, we have the Buzzcocks coming out with the Spiral Scratch EP. And I'm sure a lot of our, our Anglo listeners will, will be a little more familiar with sure. some of this stuff. The Damned came out with Damned, Damned, Damned. The Clash came out with The Clash. Familiar the Stranglers with, with Rattus Norvegicus. Hmm. The Sex Pistols came out with God Save the Queen and Nevermind the Bollocks, wow. which hit number one. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that's some of these are really iconic albums. However, that being said, those those are all punk albums. Some of the best-selling albums that year were Rumors from Fleetwood Mac. Right, wow. Out of the Blue by Electric Light Orchestra. Okay. Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell. Oh, one of my favorite albums of all time. It's such a good album. Also a concept album. Oh, yeah. And other prog options like Peter Gabriel's first post-Genesis solo album wow. and Floyd's Animals. So, so 77 so, was a very fecund year in terms, yeah. of, in terms of music. Yeah, and it... And it it, that's clear evidence that it wasn't all just punk all the time going in that direction. But also, you know, the point you made, whether or not Too Young to Die was, you know, trying to get on the punk bandwagon or not, it was existing in relation to it. Oh, it certainly was. And, and it, it what certainly is so was, exciting yeah. about Songs from the Wood is it doesn't exist in relation to anything Mm-mm. except what... Ian and the band were really just excited about doing, which was yeah. singing about trees and ancient mythology. It's the start of the supposed kind of fan-collected Brit folk trilogy. Mm, sure. Ian is 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 a lot less comfortable with with the the comparison of of putting songs from the wood, heavy horses, and Stormwatch together. Yeah, but he doesn't like titles uh, at all. I, Right, right, but thematically, they they do feel feel like they do fit together. So, whether he intended for it to happen or not, that's kind of that they they, they kind of coalesced in in that sense. Sure. So, with that little bit of context, should we talk briefly about personnel? Yeah, sure, sure. Before we we dive into the song, that's that is very valuable to have. So, this is an album in which we are retaining. All of the personnel from the previous album. We right. have Ian Anderson on lead vocals, flute, acoustic guitar, mandolin, cymbals, whistles. 
and all instruments on track two, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Martin Barr on the electric guitar and the lute. Lute. John Glasscock, backing vocals, bass guitar. John Evan, piano, organ, synthesizers. Barrymore Barlow, drums, percussion, marimba, glockenspiel, bells, knackers, and tambour. And with the addition as a fully-fledged member of the band, D. Palmer on piano. Congratulations, Portative D. pipe organ and synthesizers. Amazing. Welcome to the official band, D. Lovely to have you. Here's your name tag and your welcome gift basket. Yeah. It's just it's full of it's full of acorns and grass. <laughs> it's a high fiber. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We expect everyone to be regular. So, with all of that said, Nick, mm-hmm. dive, shall we? Let us dive, we will. To the song into. From the wood, the songs. Here is songs from the wood. Let's have a listen. Let me bring you songs from the woods To make you feel much better than you could know Better than you could Dust know Dust you down from tip to toe Dust you down from tip to toe Show you how the garden grows Show you how the garden Hold grows Hold you steady as you go Hold steady as you Join go. the chorus if you can It'll make of you an honest man. Ah! Nick. I listened to this song in my car yesterday, but I accidentally clicked just the song instead of the album. And so as I was driving through the streets of New York City, this was playing on repeat while I was (laughs) desperately trying to like punch into my phone to get the album itself. And it was was a little bit weird. Nick, uh, I this album is so very important to me in my tall development. Mm. Yeah, I this is the album that I listen to on repeat over and over and over, even more than War Child. Yeah, much more than Thick as a Brick or Aqualung. Those are those are the ones that I cut my teeth on tall, but this one spoke to me for some reason. Well, yes. We always try on this podcast to to acknowledge our personal connection to the songs and the albums, but also yes. to, you know, pre- approach them from an analytical standpoint. But I I'm gonna say this that's gonna be a challenge. The separation is gonna be a challenge with this album. Be- it really is. Because yeah. like you, this album is is super deeply meaningful for me. And I think that you know, part of it, if I could make a, a supposition, both of you, both you and I grew up in fairly rural settings. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And so and most of the music that was around us at the time was had a more of an urban focus. You know, we kind of came to our majority in in the grunge period yeah, early alternative rock. Early 90s, alternative rock, yeah. Thousands, yeah. There was also a big, I don't know what your high school was like, but a lot of kids were, you know, wanted to be wanted to be white gangsters and like they were listening to a yep. lot of the amazing hip hop that was coming out of that at that time. Mm-hmm. Which I definitely didn't appreciate at the time and I, you know, I'm now gaining an appreciation for. But it just it didn't it didn't speak to me because it didn't I didn't feel like there was any relationship with my experiences of life. 
But this sure. album was all about living in the woods and mm-hmm. like, it, you, you know, kind of forest mysticism. And that really, my brother was a druid at that time. I was dabbling in paganism. We also both grew up playing in the woods. So much. And we were surrounded, I think, from our exposure to the, the Sterling Renaissance Fair with a lot of people mm-hmm. who spent a lot of their time living in the woods and who kind of had a, a poetic, artistic, spiritual connection with nature. Yeah. And this was the only thing, this was the only music that I heard at that time that was about that subject that also huh. rocked my face off. There was a lot of like, yeah. I learned three co- three chords on the 12-string guitar and I'm going <sighs> to sing about the fairies kind of naff yeah. nonsense floating around. Not that there's anything wrong with that kind of stuff, except that it's very boring and I hate it. <laughs> but this was like, you yes. know, yes, let's sing about living in the forest, but also here's the best electric guitar that you've ever heard. Oh my gosh. The, musically... The rest of the album aside, like this song is such a powerhouse. What an opener for an album. I, I was I was realizing just listening to it now that this song is in sort of in a tall tradition. You know, you have a little bit of this with Minstrel in the Gallery. But this, the opening song on the album really is the thesis of the album. Yes, very, very true. And this, and sort of like Minstrel, this does... This provides that thesis both in terms of the lyrics and in terms of the music. Mm, I like it. So many of the elements, you know, if you look at the lyrics, he's saying, I'm going to bring you songs from the wood. And yeah. boy, howdy, does he ever. It's our, our standard breaking of the fourth wall. The The narrator is telling you what is about to happen, what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And even that goes back to you know, the roots of what they're drawing from at this time, which is this mm-hmm. kind of old style medieval entertainment or pre you know, Bardic, mythic. Yeah, or or the mumming shows. You know, uh, mumming is right. for, for our non-UK listeners. Mumming was a tradi- is an English tradition of performing that happens around certain holidays and has a lot of different variations. But there's often this element of, you know, a, a group of players coming to where you are and saying, we are going to perform a thing for you. And now we're doing yeah. it. <laughs> Fun fact, that is that is the start of Feckless Moms. That is how we got started as mummers. That is a fun fact. And that is accurate. Yes, we did. I think our one of our, our first things was a, a two-person Christmas time telling of the story of Gawain and the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. We traveled around my hometown and did we do it in Weedsport as well? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think we did. I don't think so. I think you, you had you had a couple of family friends that we visited and, and and did that. Yeah, and it was great fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We got cookies and 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 homemade hooch and, and had a gay old time. Yeah, it was pretty much <laughs> ideal. So so you know so the, that that is you know that's some of the stuff that I feel like Ian is drawing from with the lyrics, but also musically. Mm-hmm. A lot of the elements that are being introduced here are thematically what we're going to see throughout the the intensely choreographed polyrhythmic and and polymetered songwriting that we're going to see throughout the rest of the album is all present here, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is very much safe to say. It is one heck of a prelude to what's to come, and it it does not start out lightweight. 
No, 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 no. There's no easing us into this. It's, I mean, even from that first, let me bring you songs from the wood, which is, which is done with that incredible harmony. Mm-hmm. I, I, even the use of silence between those sung lines is so chilling and it really just grabs your attention. It makes it feel that much more like they are directly in front of you. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's not a wall of noise. It's so much more personal. It's very, very direct address. And I think that's part of the reason that our impressionable young minds were so grasped by this. It is such a unique sound, a unique delivery, very effective. Certainly nothing that we had heard at that point in our minuscule lives. No, I mean, although, you know, I will say that the the very opener before any of the instruments come in, it does remind me of some of the music that I was exposed to because my both my dad and my brother were very, very interested in folk music traditions and mm. played a lot of it and researched a lot of it just casually. Sure. But it reminded me it reminds me still of some of the old English traditions of singing. There's something called part singing. Mm, okay. It's basically a way of writing harmonies for people who don't read music. Oh, okay. There was a big tradition of that in Europe and and in England. And then you can actually still find it in some parts of, I think, like Pennsylvania or some like the really Appalachian parts sure. of the United States mm-hmm. where it just never died out. But it's, it's a way of organizing groups of people into singing harmonies without them having to understand how to read music or music theory. And it has that kind of like, it hits you with that beautiful unison and then there are the spaces in between it that allow you to kind of like react internally to what you've just heard. Yeah. Yeah, and those those spaces, that silence, those rests in the music are are just as effective as as the note that they chose to play. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ugh. Woof. Shall we get into nitty-gritty musically in this this five-minute masterpiece? Nitty-gritty witty twitty yep that's what yes. they say okay so we start out we start out with the only of the with only the voices so powerful that opener those opening vocals yeah oh and now in my mind they're so iconic for for mm-hmm. knowing tall for being so in ingrained in tall at this point like sure. they, that's an iconic sound to me oh yeah and they make us wait for dropping in the the music but ian gives us a little a little flute tease Mm-hmm. Just the tip of the, just the tip of the flute, the double flute going do 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 do. Let me bring you love from the fields. And then we have some more, just voices, and then when the instruments finally do drop in, it's just the tambourine, drums, and acoustic guitar. For just a couple beats right before the tambourine comes in, I heard uh, like for the for the first time, and it's got to be because these headphones are so good. In the background, there is. I don't think it was on purpose. I think it's an accidental tambourine. It's oh, like Glenn was reaching for the tambourine or or Barrymore or whoever. Knocked it with his was, wrist. Hit it just a little bit. It's the faintest sound. That's so funny. It's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> so then we have the little acoustic musical drop in with the tambourine, the drums, and the guitar. Poppies, red, and roses filled with summer rain. Followed shortly thereafter by the sick bass, electric guitar, and piano drop. Lifelong celebrations here. I'll post you all in any 
Oh my gosh, that bass. However, it, right before the bass, uh, your favorite, I'm surprised you didn't mention it, we got the claps. Oh yeah, yeah, the double claps. Yep. Mm-hmm. The classic tall clap. The tall folk clap. Yeah, at about a minute is when the bass and piano and everything comes in, but that bass is so chunky. There's there's like a, a bleed effect or something that makes it it there. I I don't have the terminology for it, but it it's not just a clean bass. No, there is. It comes through really heavily. Oh, it comes, oh my god! It's very thick, thick bass. And what a juxtaposition for for what could very easily be a a, a strictly acoustic song. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's a really nice touch. You there. can tell that it's an electric bass. And it's, oh, absolutely! It's very yeah, mm-hmm. an intentionally electric bass. Yes, as opposed to those unintentionally electric basses, otherwise known as yeah. fire hazards. <laughs> the use of contrasting the acoustic, really, you know, almost ancient sounds that we hear in the first mm-hmm. number of measures, with mm-hmm. the really obviously electric sounds, I think, you know. On paper, you'd be like, well, doesn't that take us out of the kind of woodsy feel? It doesn't. For me, it's like, you know, all the acoustic sets the scene. And then you hit that bass and it's like, oh, suddenly I can feel the roots of the trees through Mm. the ground, through my bare feet. Yeah, Yeah, it gives you that sense of, of, of old and kind of stalwart having been there for a long time. Yeah, Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I like that. That it, it the, the imagery of the trees, you know. Yeah. And then at at about one thirty, the piano, the synth, whatever it is, turns into harpsichord. Yeah, digital harps. One of my all time favorite sounds yeah, is a harpsichord. Really I'll tell you that. So good. A singer of these ageless times, with kitchen prayers and gutter rhymes. Then at the chorus, we still have more heavy bass. We have some killer cymbal splashes at about 2.30. Martin Barr is also really contributing in a meaningful way to all this, especially on the chorus. Mm-hmm. Songs from the wood. Yeah. That wasn't that wasn't an exact replica. But we get the gist. It was more of the feeling okay. of it. Yeah. Songs from the wood. Flute, those those really nice flutes at about three minutes. Martin just with some stings. Yes. At about 3:30. And it, and the, and the, by that point everything has has coalesced and you are you are on your way and you're only about halfway through the song. Yeah. It is like the beginning, you know, and this is the case with with all good rock songs and all good music in general, but the beginning really hooks you, you know, that mm-hmm. those rests, those silences make you make you listen so carefully. And then when the for me, when the electric gets in, the the hook is set. Yeah. And then there's no escaping. I mean, you're you can fight it all you want, but you are going to get in the songs from the wood boat. 
You are going to be fried with a, just a little bit of butter and some fresh dill. And you're going to be delicious. In no way is this a song that you skip, that you you don't listen to the end to. It is a powerful, potent, relatively quick five minutes. And and how how unsatisfying would it be to not make it to the end of this song? Because it's actually it's not, illegal to skip it. It's not. It's, that's right. It is uh, most ancient, states, yeah. ancient country law. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's not just repetition. Like we we've heard some tall songs. They're like, okay, we and now he just does the same thing one and a half, two more times. I I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. In a pinch, if I had to, I would skip it. This is five minutes of all unique sound, and it boy howdy does it work. So we have a lot of time signature fun stuff going on. I okay. Tried my best to count it out in my head on my while driving yesterday. Couldn't do it. No idea. Genuinely no. I mean, usually I can be like, oh, yeah, it's like this. No idea what's going on time signature wise. It's yeah, it it seems to fluctuate. Yeah, it goes, yeah, it, it speeds up. It goes down different instruments playing at different times. A lot like Joe said. Right. In one of his his Instagrams, it's it's a matter of playing with meter and four or five. Uh, 5-4 versus 4-4 four, four and meeting up at certain points. I like, think there are also just whew. extra beats dropped in here and there, you know. Pro- probably at this point. And all of that is remarkably cohesive. Like, you don't feel disjointed listening to it. You feel Mm-mm. stimulated. Very much so, yeah. It is a shot of espresso, baby. You And you and every moment brings something new and fresh. Much, Nick, like taking a walk in a beautiful countryside. That's right. From a distance, it might all look, you know, samesy, samesies. But you know, as you, as you look, ah, there is a dewdrop. Ah, there is a rock that looks like a, a pair of breasts. <laughs> Very seductive pair of rocks. <laughs> I didn't get. I didn't make it past the rocks. I'm, I don't know what's <laughs> past there. But the other, like, just to to point out one kind of moment that I think really highlights this approach is there's a moment, I think a little bit later in the song, where the bass and the organ are having a bit of a conversation back and forth. And they're, mm. they're really operating on different ends of, the, of the, the pitch spectrum. You know, the bass is obviously very low. The organ is playing with yeah. some higher notes. And the bass is going... And the organ... Yeah. And that conversation back and forth, uh, it's so engaging. You're you're like every single note. You're like, what's going to happen next? Yeah, and what a the, we have seen them per- personally. You and I have seen them perform this live, and boy, those moments, those those bumps. Ian in the front, like swinging his flute and hitting his hitting the the time signature with a fist, like it's. This is such a powerful and song. kind of conducting, I, I, you know, giving throwing yeah. focus to the bass, throwing focus to the piano. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a, it's not just a pretty song on the album. It is a powerhouse, you know, that is designed to be performed live as well. Yeah, so effective. <sighs> All right. Anything else musically, or you want to you want to jump into lyrics? Musically, I do want to talk about the ending. Okay. You know, this is no this is no casual fade out. This is no mm. you know kind of normal This isn't, you know, there there are lots of 
sort of standard musical endings that you can pull from. Like a convenient, tasty little wrap-up, yeah. Yeah, and we love them. They're familiar. Absolutely, yeah. This they're nice. There's there's comfortable closure there. Yeah, you can end with a big with a big old a big old electric wang on the guitar. Wow. This is not familiar. This ending. This is not predictable. This is a different rhythm than I think anyone has ever done, and it ends you. It it ends you. It ends with. I am ended. <laughs> it, it ends leaving me feeling. Like completely exhausted and stimulated and like alive, Ugh. alive and well and living, alive and well and living in. Yeah, it's like what just passed through me. Where did I just to go? Who am I? I want more. A, a, a religious experience. I need to start collecting acorns immediately. <laughs> Winter's coming. If I don't step on a crunchy leaf in the next six seconds, I will literally die. What have I done with my life what? if not that? Exactly. So, yeah. Yes. Anything else from you, Nick, musically? No, no, no. Not at all. I, I'm, I'm ready to move on lyrically. I think, I think I would just repeat the same thing over and over. Yes. As I want to do. One thing lyrically about this one is this is one that I did not need to read the lyrics for at all. That's <laughs> <laughs> very clear, isn't it? Yeah, and this this album, I think, just because I've I've ingrained myself with all of the content, I'm I'm pretty sure I'll be doing very little reading along at this point because I I think that part of that is because of Ian's singing style. He is making it purposefully really really clear mm-hmm. and crisp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a new a new vocal sound for Ian. We I think we heard a little bit of it with the with too old to rock and roll he wasn't too grungy or anything I mean, he's never been a mumbler but i i also you know performatively i wonder if there's something deeper going on here mm-hmm. if you truly believe in the words that you are saying in the performance that you're doing hmm. it'll come through with much more clarity than if you're like than if you don't really know what the words mean or if you yeah you know if you're like yeah i hate this show i hate this song but i'm going to sing it anyway yeah. It's also, I think you we can point out that there was a there was a, a bit of a mumble period. I mean, just listen to those super early interviews that he did. He mm. talked like this, and this, uh, you know, you know, just like he he was that slurry mumbly. Uh, I, can't as I a just po- realized that Robert Frost was giving the yeah. Of the song. Yeah, I I th- I think there there has been a progression of of his presentation uh, lyrically, vocally, even his th- the character that is Ian Anderson. Sure, yeah, yeah, the character of the tramp is different from the character of the 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 forest the forest man. Yeah. So, let's talk about these lyrics specifically. Mhm. There are so many references in this. Yeah. That are interesting. I mean, there's there's so many little expressions that I think are caged in kind of older pre-industrial revolution English culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we're going to mess. I think I'm I'm sure we're going to miss most of them. Yeah. But there there also, I mean, just like the imagery is really very beautiful and thematic. Not only is it embracing 
the idea of following this narrator, this singer into the green, the wood yeah. to live an idyllic life or or at least just spend the next, I don't know, what's how long is the album? 45 minutes sure. to, to an hour. Enjoy that green space for about an hour. There's, there's a magic there. There's a, a mysticism that it's not just you saying, hey, look at this album art about the forest and listen. Like, you will be transported. You will experience this. I want to also, yeah, I mean, you're, you're so right. And I also want to talk about this, this theme that runs throughout it, that what is being offered is a healing process. Let me bring you songs from the wood to make you feel much better than you could know. Mm. Even dust you down from tip to toe. I mean, let me bring you songs from the wood to make you feel much better than you could know. Better than you could dust know. you down from tip to toe. That immediately makes me think of. I'm, I'm sure you remember at the at the fair when when so many of the people that we interacted with were into kind of pseudo spiritualism and and you know uh, traditional healing practices mm -hmm. there was the thing of like saging someone yeah a cleansing yeah which is a very ancient practice you light some kind of a sacred plant on fire and you waft the smoke at them from head to toe to cleanse the impurities mm -hmm. out of them yeah as you start to finish top to bottom yeah right to heal the wound and still the pain that threatens again and again to heal the wound and still the pain the threatens again and again. You know that this that there's something there's something being offered here which is really cleansing and specifically healing of you know the wound that we could say perhaps is inflicted by modern life. Yeah, society, industry, capitalism. Take your pick. Yeah, exactly. Your ex, yeah, your ex-wife. Your ex-wife. Anything that will that could and will cause distress, you can find an escape and a healing to that in the woods. And that is a theme, again, that is in older traditional songs in a certain yeah. way. It makes me think of the old Irish moonshining song, The Mountain Dew. Mm. At the top of the hill, there's a neat little still where the smoke curls up, curls up to the sky, but the smoke and the smell, you can plainly tell that there's a switch and brew nearby. Throw away your pills, it'll cure all ills. Be a pagan or Christian a Jew. Take off your coat and grease your throat with a, with a real old Mountain Dew. At the foot of the hill, there's a neat little still where the smoke curls up to the sky. By the smoke and the smell, you can plainly tell that there's switching brewing nearby. It fills the air with order rare and betwixt both me and you. When home you stroll, you can take a bowl or a bucket of the Mountain Dew. Hi, Throw away your pills, it'll cure all ills of pagan or Christian or Jew. You know, this idea that, like, what we're offering will cure you of anything. Yeah. Whatever your ills are, we can fix them. Right. You may not be able to leave that life because of how society is is structured. That's right. But we have that cure for you that every now and then you just gotta you just gotta come out. Need a little. You just gotta come to us. A nip of the woods. Yeah. Right. Which you know, in in the Irish drinking song case, the solution is get 
completely blind <laughs> drunk for for a couple of hours. Uh, some sometimes literally blind drunk. Yeah. Oh yeah. A nip of the shine. Right. And Ian's solution is, you know, that he has distilled the liquor of of kind of traditional magical realism and ruralism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because going out into the woods was not necessarily an option. So so if you can't do it, I'll bring it to you. Well, yeah, sure, if you live in London. Yeah, right. Although, you know, they have great green spaces. Well, th- there is also an English... I mean, again, like this album is so couched in English culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a very strong English tr- tradition of the ramble, you know, going going for a yeah. going for a long walk in a green space. And now, you know, now that uh, England is on lockdown due to the pandemic, one of the government allowed activities is going out for a walk for exercise. Hmm. And so it literally yeah. going for a walk in the woods or in the fields is literally the only relief that people are allowed to have from being stuck in their homes all day. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's powerful what is being offered here. There is there is something to be said for that. It's not just, like, tradition. It's not just sticking to what we know in, ter- in terms of, of the, the British government and the British stick because they are very much set in, in tradition. There is a medicinal value. There is a, a health value to that. Oh, yeah. What's the Japanese word? Hug. No, that's... <laughs> That's Norwegian. Oh, Shinrin-yoku is the Japanese mm. word for forest bathing. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Which is studied to have physiological, psychological effects on one's health, positive ones. Yeah, regardless of the culture, it is one of those things that across the ages and across the world, there is a reason that that the earth that the forest is revered and respected and utilized for health benefits. Human need go see tree. Human see tree, yeah. Yeah, that is the caveman's, the cave doctor's prescription. Yeah. <laughs> Take two tree, call in morning. <laughs> Grunt me in morning. Ugh. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about kitchen pros and gutter rhymes? Sure, sure. Ver- a very iconic line, yeah, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A singer of these ageless times With kitchen prayers and gutter rhymes But um, let's break it down a little bit. What is, What do you make of those two contrasting offerings? Well, to call anything kitchen, to use that as, as an adjective to describe something, makes me feel like it's... It's commonplace. Yeah. It's something everyone would be accustomed to, something everyone would be be used to and have access to. Would you say it's almost like saying garden variety? Yes, very much. Yeah. So, I mean, and in the context of this, I feel like, you know, what he's offering is that prose that he's writing, the subjects that he's writing about are familiar everyday things. Mm-hmm. Things from everyday life. Yeah. But then, yeah, absolutely. And then we contrast that with gutter rhymes. What do you make of that? It won't always be floral and mm. pretty and perfect. Some of it will be dirty. Some of it will be dirty in the sense of blue, in like we see in Sexy. a song. In, yeah, in a song like "Hunting Girl," oh, you know, yeah. black and blue. That one. It, ooh. it makes it more accessible, however, to the broader spectrum of listener. 
because it's it's commonplace stuff and below, basically. Mm, yeah. So anyone can listen to it, and they may not necessarily agree with the, the verbiage, but they will get the sentiment behind it. Right. Like you said, it's not an idealized version of going off and living in the forest. It's, it's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And that's messy, and, you know, there's a lot of life and life eating itself and, and right. reproducing the, and all the that. circle yeah. of life, life finds a way, etc. Yeah. It's the circle of life. I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. It's not a clean thing, and, and that, is, that is some of the beauty behind what we are about to experience and what we can appreciate. Yeah. I want to give a little bit of historical context to this moment, Nick, because I think it'd be, I think it might be interesting. Sure. As Ian was moving from the city to the country, he was not the only one in society doing that. There was a very significant back to the land movement happening in the 1970s. Okay. And it had, you know, there have been back to the land movements at various points in history. You know, people trying to reconnect with their agrarian roots or reject some of the evils of modern existence or urban existence. Mm -hmm. In the 70s, it had some different roots, including the hippie movement. You know, after the hippies were sort of like had finished smoking all their weed, they were sort of like, all right, well, now what do we want to do about some of these ideals? They were like, well, maybe we should go living live on a commune. You know, I mean, that was that was part of that movement. And I think that was a bit of a later development of it. You know, this idea of creating a more ideal society and where you have more autonomy and self-sufficiency, which were some of the virtues espoused by the movement. Sure. It also apparently had some of its roots in the civilian war effort of World War Two, you know, mm. during the blockade mm-hmm. of England and also in America. People were in- encouraged to plant. Yeah. In America, we call them victory gardens. I don't know what they call them in England. And people having gotten a taste of that kind of, you know, growing the pleasures of growing your own vegetables and being self-sufficient, that permeated the Mm -hmm. culture a little bit and I think had some manifestation in this back-to-the-land movement. Sure. Why would you stop if you can continue to conserve money and, and, and provide for yourself? Why would you stop doing it just because the war is over? Yeah. Dig for victory, I think Mm. they called it in Great Britain. And in fact, my own upbringing on a farm slash forest in upstate New York was partly motivated by my mom and dad's own back-to-the-land movement. I mean, they moved to that spot and built the cabin that I grew up in in the 1970s. Wow. You know, around, the, like, almost exactly around this time. hmm Yeah, very much not hippies, but, yeah, it, it didn't have to just be hippies to, to do that. Yeah, my mom was a bit of a hippie, but not a little, little bit. The strictest hippie I've ever seen. <laughs> She's she, she'd gotten away from the sort of flower child, and gone more into the you know environmentalism yes. and and uh, yeah. She used her powers for good. Yeah, she did. So that's just a little bit of fun historical context for us. Yeah, I think that is definitely apt and definitely something that we should keep in mind, particularly for this song and, and the overall feel of this album, for sure. Yeah. And and the trajectory that Ian seems to be taking. Well, right, because the thing was, he didn't just move to this farmhouse and live there. Mm-hmm. He apparently took on the responsibility of a working farm. Yes, he had a working farm. He had 
Workhorses, which is inspires mm, the next album. Yes. Eventually, when he takes a little time off because he busts out his voice, he does the salmon farm. Right. So he's always he always he seems to always have been interested. Once he took that jump to move out of the city, yeah, because he was wealthy enough, because he could escape, he could. because he didn't have to be right there, you know. Once he could do that, he really seemed to embrace it in a variety of iterations that we see throughout the years to come. Yeah, and you can tell from the songwriting, from the singing, from the way that the band is playing, mm-hmm. and you know, from the sort of energy that Ian is giving off, how meaningful and how grounded he is. Yeah. This, to me, sounds the most like Ian that Ian has sounded, if that makes sense. The, yeah. The most centered. Yeah, this, I slightly attribute it to the fact that this was my first album, but this is what I think of when I think of Ian Anderson. Sure, me too. This feel. But that's not the same for everyone. I mean, some people are much more, you know. I mean, some people like walk into the light. (laughs) (laughs) So, Omen, what's a galliard? A galliard, ooh. Galliards and lute songs served in chilling ale. Let me bring you all things to fight Galliards, lute song served in chilling ale Greetings well my fellow hail A galliard is a renaissance dance. Mm-hmm. It is. I'm trying to remember what typifies it. It is also a certain type of music which accompanies the galliard. Yes, generally, particularly around that time, they, they named the style of music to the dance and and they were they were interchangeable well and we still do mambo sure fair enough right right the stanky leg uh great wonderful musical Mm -hmm. style so it's uh it's not this is a a strictly choreographed dance it's not there's nothing improvised about it and uh, it occupies one or more measures of music in one measure a galliard typically has five steps in french such a basic step is called cinq pas Cinq pas. Cinq pas. Five steps. And in Italy, it's syncopase. Oh, which which comes to syncopated, doesn't it? Mm. Because the galliard is in triple time. Ah. And so if you're dancing five steps in three time, you are syncopating. <gasps> ah. We just learned something, Nick. And written in English, it is a syncopace that is right, left, right, left cadence. Huh. It's an athletic dance because it, it is... Would you say five steps in three time? Right. That seems pretty busy. Characterized by leaps, jumps, hops, and other s- similar figures. Yeah. Well, the pictures of the paintings of it look very athletic. Yeah. Yeah. The main feature is the galliard step is a large jump after which the dancer lands with one leg ahead of the other. This is called the cadence. And the mm. final landing is called a posture. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a galliard. So this is taking us back to that Ren feel for sure, that Renaissance feel that emanates throughout this song and, and frankly, the rest of the album as well. Yeah. So he says, let me bring you all, all things refined, galliards and lute songs served in chilling ale, greeting well-met fellow hail. I am the wind to fill your sail, so on, so on. Yeah. He's saying, let's go back to a simpler time when entertainment was not the television or the radio or or listening to, to vinyl. It was someone singing to you and someone live playing music so you could dance to it. And not just dance, but leap around. Yeah. I'm going to sing a song to make you rock out. Yeah. <sighs> Woof. 
One, one final, I have a velvet mandarin for you. Is it a bear? Is he shaking his hair? Is it velvet mandarin? Please, let me hear it. The final songs from the wood make you feel much better. The way that they stretch the songs from the wood, songs mm-hmm. from the wood, they, they, they <laughs> make it stretch. I always heard of it as songs from another wood songs make you feel much better. Wood. Yeah, I can hear it. Songs from another wood make you feel much, much better. Yeah. Songs from the And it fits that way. It works that way. I, I could see it being either way, but according to the lyrics, it's just songs from the wood make yes. you feel much better. Songs from the wood. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so, there's so much kind of stopping and, and glottal hitting that it's easy enough to hear another in there. And I yeah. challenge you to listen to it and not hear that. Yeah, yeah. now I will. Challenge all of you, yeah. Nick, anything else that we want to say about the lyrics? No, that is it for me for Songs from the Wood, I think. What about you, Omen? I am just so delighted that we are in this album. I love this song. I think that, just a final note, you know, the way that Ian is describing himself, I am the wind to fill your sail, I am the cross Mm. to take your nail. A singer of these ageless times. Yeah. I am the wind to fill your sail, I am the cross to take your nail. Singer of these times. He's um, describing himself in elemental terms. Mm, nice. Is the I'm the cross to take your nail, is that a Jesus reference? Well, it's difficult not to see it as the cross of the crucifixion. I mean, that is the most noticeable cross and nail, is it not? Of course. No, it's definitely, he's definitely making a reference to the to the crucifixion, but... He's not saying, I'm the guy that got nailed to the cross, or I'm the nail that's nailing the guy mm-hmm. to the cross. Mm-hmm. The cross itself is a piece of wood. And, it's made of wood, right? And in ancient times, you know, if you go back far enough, you see that same kind of imagery with the Greek gods, you know, with Odin n- nailing himself or tying himself to mm. the to Yagrasil, the, the life tree. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what the cross really represents as a an altar for sacrifice, if you kind of go back to the pagan origins of some of this Christian mythology, I think he's really comparing himself to the life source that that is mm. so powerful that you can nail a demigod to it. Right. Maybe a bit right. of a stretch, but that's my thought. And also tying in with a singer of these ageless times, like he's talking to you right now, but he was there as... A tree in the times of yeah. Jesus. He's the voice. He is the voice of 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 eternity that has always been expressed through the growing of green things. Oh, I want I want that as a tattoo. The... <laughs> Just that quote. Ah, and then, and a picture of crucified Jesus. I think. So. Wow. Yeah, um, I think you can I, get that. I'm sure someone will do it. Someone will do it. Right. Anything else to say about this song, Nick? Oof. No, that's it. That is it. Well, what do we have the pleasure of mm. 
listening to next week. Next week, track number two off of Songs from the Wood. It is Jack in the Green. Mm -hmm. Such a unique, fun song. Oh, my gosh. Every one of the songs off this album are are unique, fun songs. They, They are. It's really, I'm so excited that we're here. Until then. Until next week. You can be the songs from the internet singing your ageless tunes Mm. to iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) That was a stretch. I wasn't prepared for it. I I went off the cuff. Not disappointed, but not great. Fill up the rows of our podcast with the summer rain of your five-star reviews. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your reviews can be the wind in the sails of our popularity and notoriety as a podcast. And just our ego, too. Sure. Yeah. Until next week, I am the slime trail left behind by the snail known as Omen Sade. Is the snail known as Omen Sade or the slime trail is known as Omen Sade? No, I, the snail is Omen Sade. I'm the slime trail because it's just my voice. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I am the dandelion seeds on the wind. Known as Nick McGill. Is the wind known as Nick McGill or is the sea or the seeds known as Nick McGill? Uh yes. <laughs> Together we are the ecosystem known as feckless momes. And this is the mythical being that brings life and death to all. Talk tall to me. Brings death, Jesus. It's a life cycle. Circle of life. I have not seen a pileated Barrymore yet, and I'm. I, they tell me this is the place to go. Oh yes, yes, I. Uh, but I haven't seen one. I've been here since six a.m., and I, I actually, I heard one in that tree over there. I haven't seen one either. Oh gosh, that's like the last one on my list. Wow. You were at the swamp last weekend, right? Yes. Oh yes, I saw you. Yes, uh, that's where we spotted the deep Palmer pigeon. The Palmer mm. pigeon. That was a lifeless tour for me. I had never seen one. The D-Pigeon, yeah. The yeah, D-Pigeon. Yeah, the Speckleback Bar is is oh. known to hang around the Andersonian Thrush. Yes, yes. I, You know, I heard I heard that both of those were were on the Barrymore Berry Bush down in the in the Horrell uh, earlier earlier this week. The Berry Bush Barlow? The Berry Bush Barlow Bar. Berry, Aren't there... I, I believe they're also migrating, so we may be able to see yes, them. Yeah, and they have right wonderful colors here. this time. Oh, oh my uh, God. Oh. What is gosh, it? Don't move, don't move. Is that a, is that a talk tell to me? Oh, look over there. Oh my gosh. Oh. I've never seen I've never seen a talk tell to me so clearly. Oh my gosh. I At this time of year? I get it. I understand why they say that it's part of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. It's a proud member. It's so beautiful. <laughs>